Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, when I was a little boy, um, before they had that all-day pre-K, I would stay home with my stepmom. And she would be the one taking care of me. And I remember, and it was, it was. I'm thinking, I was like four or five years old. And you go, really? You can remember that? And, and, and I remember for the most of the day, the TV was on, okay? And she would be watching soap operas. That was kind of the norm. I remember playing with my dominoes there on the floor. But I knew the TV was on, and she would be watching soap operas. Now, I never really paid much attention to the soap operas, because at that age, you know, you just want to play. And uh, I just never really paid attention. I knew what time it was, if you know what I'm talking about, by which soap opera came on, and and then I could go outside and play or whatever it might be, because she wasn't busy watching the soaps. And and I think back on those days, and and honestly, I was thinking back, and it seemed like life was so much simpler back then. I I don't know what it was. It seems like the bad things in life were, were very, very few as compared to today. And of course, you go, well, Ben, we're living in 2018, almost 2019. It's a totally different world than when you lived way, 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 way back then. Well, back in the early 70s, guys, when the soap operas came on, I don't know, some people still watch them today. I, I, I don't know. The one thing that you would never did when soap operas came on back in the day, you guys know this, right, is you never called or you visit when the stories were on. You just never did that, right? Because you're, you, you know, the stories, are, my stories are on and I have to, you know, it was a big improvement when, when the VCR came because then you could record your soap operas and you didn't miss anything. But back then when it wasn't the VCR, guys, you just, you just didn't do that. You just didn't do that. Now, having never been a soap opera fan, I can't tell you much about them, but there is one thing I am familiar with, and it's the introduction to the soap opera called The Days of Our Lives, The Days of Our Lives. Now, I knew that it was on because the music begins to play. The announcer says, like sands through an hourglass, so are the days of our lives, right? You just, you just knew that. Now, I doubt seriously that the person who came up with that introduction was thinking about any deep philosophical meaning, right, when they wrote that intro. But yet that introduction actually conveys two really biblical principles. And you go, what's that? Well, one of them, guys, if you're taking note real quick, is that like sands to the hourglass, you know, really our lives, what happens? They pass quickly. They pass quickly. And you think, well, I've got 70, I've got 80, I've got 90 years. That's still quick. That's still quick. That's one biblical truth. The second truth we can pull from that, right? Like the sands through the hourglass, so our, our lives are filled not only with what? Well, that it passes quickly, but life is filled with changes. Changes, and we're always wondering about changes and and changes. Now, as we come to our text tonight, church, listen, I realize that Jesus uh, teaches us about what's going to happen in the days we're living in. Listen, not only did it happen 6,000 years ago, we get a glimpse or a preview of what our world's going to be like, both in Genesis chapter 6 tonight, we're going to see a little bit of preview, but also in Matthew 24. And so if you're taking notes, I'm calling this message, these are the days of our lives. Why? For tonight we discover a wicked world, a world so corrupt, filled with violence, 
that God himself was sorry that he made men and put him on the earth. And of course, the result, the Lord says, I will destroy them with the earth, with the earth. Now listen, this not only serves as fact, but also a warning. You go, warning? Yeah, here's why. Listen, we too are living, what's that, in the last days. We too are living in the last days. Now before we jump into our text, guys, please allow me to give you some last day prophecy highlights. And I'm just going to give you some highlights. We're not going to go real deep into them. But let me, just, let me just throw this out at you, okay? We're living in the last days. Right? And now, now think about this. According to Matthew 24, 7, we'll get to it later, the Bible says, For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. Now, if you're taking note or you just want to jot this down for later reference, the word nation there is actually ethnos in the Greek, ethnos. And ethnos is a people, group, or nation where we get our English word ethnic or ethnicity. Ethnicity. And and, and here's what Jesus says, for, for ethnic group will rise up against ethnic group or ethnicity. This is when a nation or ethnic group will rise against another ethnic group. And of course, if you look at that, we see that going on today. We see that going on today. Ethnicity refers to cultural factors. It refers to including nationality or regional cultures or ancestry or even language. You see, so the news, guys, in the highlight of prophecy in the news, there's a, lot of ha- there's a lot of things that are happening that is actually dividing our world, even our nation, right? We wish we were the United States of America, but sometimes it seems like we're the divided states of America. We're, we're rising up against nation. We're rising up against culture. We're even rising up against political. Well, you're not this. You're not this. I'm not this. And, and, and we're, not, we're looking over to an elephant or a donkey instead of looking to the lamb, and we're, we're so divided, guys, and so we're the divided, and we can see this happening, right? We can see it happening in nationality. We can see it happening in race, whatever color you are, and, and that makes a big difference. And, and we can see it in language, and we can see it in religion. We see that throughout the whole world. We talked about that on Sunday, and we see it even in politics. So we know when Jesus said that nation will rise up against nation, we can feel it. We know that we're part of it. We can see it in the news every single day. The problem is, is that we have just kind of been a little bit inoculated to it because we've grown up in it all the way to 2018. We're kind of just going, yeah, that's just how our world is. But it's, but it's happening. Last day prophecies. You go, what else? Well, Jesus actually said in this verse, he says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. Now, let's talk about earthquakes for just a moment, okay? So I went on my computer today, and I said, how many earthquakes were happened today, right? Today, 11, 14, 18. Do you realize that we've had 27 earthquakes that all had a magnitude of 2.5 or higher today? 2.5 or stronger that all happened today, okay? We had six in the USA. Six happened today. Now, of course, that's not news anymore, but we had 27 today, just today. That doesn't include anything that's happened within the last few hours, but we had three in California church. We had one in Lincoln, Montana. We had a 3.2 magnitude in Soda Springs, Idaho, and then we had a 3.3 in Pawnee, Oklahoma. Now, of course, you're going, yeah, I didn't even hear about this. 27. So I decided, I said, okay, well, let's see. When did they start recording it? Well, let's just even talk 100 years ago. How many earthquakes did we have 100 years ago that were recorded? According to this, in 1918, there was a total of 49 earthquakes the entire year. Today, we have 27. 
in one day. They're coming. They're coming. And Jesus said there's going to be an increase in earthquakes. And they're going to, you're going to see it. And you're going to see it. But you see, this doesn't make the radar in our news. And so we don't pay much attention to it. But they're coming because Jesus said it. And we're not, we're not getting it. We're not getting it. Right? 27 today alone. Three, six in California. But, but 49 total in the year 1918? What about prophecy in the Old Testament? Well, think about this, guys. Uh, I read something this week in the Old Testament. Let's just go for a moment concerning Syria, right? Syria there or Damascus. According to Isaiah 17:1, it says the burden against Damascus. Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city and it will be a ruinous heap. That's one of the prophecies that Isaiah writes. The prophecy hasn't been fulfilled yet, guys. Damascus is still standing. Okay, but think about it. It's very, very notable that Syria. And if you're taking note, you can say its ancient name was Aram. Okay, it's not listed among the Russian Iran allies that will attack and invade Israel in Ezekiel 38. It's not listed. Okay, so you're like, okay, so what does this all mean? Well, it may be that this prophecy concerning the destruction of Damascus will be fulfilled prior to Ezekiel 38 war, this this Russia Iran invasion, or it could possibly mean that there's a catalyst for this coming invasion here in Israel. But let me tell you what I do know. Let me tell you what I do know. Russia right now is in Syria. Russia is occupying Syria right now. It's protecting it, and it's very pivotal for the future prophecy. You're going, it is? Yeah. But that's not something we listen to all day, right? Because we're busy about our lives. we got our stuff to do. We kind of watch our football team, and we kind of get the local news and make sure this is happening. But, but this, is, this is prophecy. And again, I'm just giving you highlights real quick. Highlights real quick. Guys, that we're living in the last days. The days before Jesus comes. Now, before we study Matthew 24 a little bit, I want to continue in our study in Genesis. Now, we're going to break down verses 9 through 22, and then what we'll do is we'll say goodbye to Genesis, head over to Matthew 24 for a moment, and then I want to come back and look at verse 9 as closing. So that's where we are tonight. Let's go to Genesis, guys. Let's study it a little bit. Let's just see what God has for us. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says, This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Guys, what we've learned here, guys, is Noah, his name means rest or comfort, right? We saw that through the genealogy. And and, and here it starts off in verse 9. This is the genealogy. If you have a pencil handy, you can simply write, this is the history of Noah. This is the history of Noah. Or you can write Noah's story. This is Noah's story, right? And we're going to hang out with Noah, guys, all the way to chapter 11. So from now to chapter 11. Now, here's what I want you to note with me. It says this. It says, Noah was a just man, perfect. You guys see that word perfect in the New King James Version? A better translation would be righteous. He was a righteous, mature, or upright. That's what it means. Righteous, mature, upright, well-rounded. It says, but not sinless, okay? So you can't think of perfect as Noah was just walking and he just didn't sin at all. That is not true. When sin came in, it destroyed everything, and Noah was part of that everything. But it says that he was a, he was a perfect, he was a mature he was a righteous, upright man. Now, think about this. The Bible also says that, what? That, that Noah was a man who walked with God and lived his best as 
he could as a righteous life, right? You go, what do you mean Noah lived by, by faith? Well, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, the writer of Hebrews says, by faith, Noah, Noah, being divinely warmed of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, which by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So he is all part of the hall of faith chapter, chapter 11, by faith. By faith, right? Faith is the substance hope for the... Uh, so you see faith going on. So it says Noah lived by faith. He says that Noah was also a, a what? A just man. A just man. You go, what does that mean? You can write next to this. This was also in conduct, in character. In conduct, in character. In other words, Noah was a just man. Not only did he talk the talk, listen to me, but he walked the walk. He was a just man. His conduct matches his character. And we know what character is, don't we, church? Character is what you do in private, how you behave alone when no one's watching. That's your character. And, his, and, his, and, and so what he said, he believed, and what he believed, he walked in and people knew. There wasn't, there wasn't hey, I'm one person here, I'm one person at church, but then when I go over here, I'm a totally different person, and then when I come over here, I'm a totally different. Noah was a just man. He was a just man. Then the Bible says Noah also walked with God, walked with God. The Old Testament describes this as a pattern of personal living of service to the Lord. That's what it means to walk with God. A lot of times they say, hey, how's your walk with God? And a lot of us don't understand what that means, that we don't understand that this is a daily pattern of our lives. We're walking with God. We're talking with God. We have a relationship with the God that created us. Sometimes we get up and we don't even talk to God in the morning. We just kind of do our thing. We're like, hey, God, I'll see you later. But, it, but, but Noah was a man who walked with God. He was a man who, who, again, think about his conduct, his character, his faith, his righteousness, and his personal living of service to the Lord. I, I love that about Noah. I love that about Noah. Now, we're going to come back to verse 9 at the end of our time together. But, but let's move on because we've got a lot to carry. So, so the Bible says here, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, amen, perfect in his generations, righteous, mature, upright, and he walked with God. He walked with God. Look at verse 10. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, when we get to chapter 10, guys, we'll look at these men more in detail, and we'll actually figure out where they settled. And you can kind of trace everything back to, oh, well, you know, our genealogy, we came from Spain or, or wherever you might be. You can kind of check them out in chapter 10. It's going to be more of where they were. But for now, let's just, let's just file it away that Noah had three sons. He had three sons. Okay, so this is the history. He has three sons. Who are they? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And they're going to get in, in, in some trouble. Not all of them, but they're going to get in some trouble a little bit later on. Look at verse 11. It says, the scene changes just a little bit. It says, the earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Guys, in this day, you could say that men did what was right in their own eyes. Back here, they had no fear of God, and they had an evil heart which abounded in them. This is what, it was corrupt. Now, here's what we see. Guys, remember, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, man, it was good. When we opened up Genesis 1 and 2, we're like, yes, God, you're amazing. And he saw that it was good, and it was amazing. And then we had chapter 3. In chapter 3, Adam and Eve, right, they sinned in chapter 3. 
I don't know if they realized the magnitude of what happened. I don't know if they realized that for you and I, it's still fracturing us today. It fractures relationships. It breaks things apart. And so chapter 3, we're like, ah. And we're only on chapter 6. We're only on chapter 6. And and here's the thing, guys. The whole world has gone nuts. It's gone crazy. We're only on chapter... I mean, it's just like, what happened? We did was chapter 1 and 2 were good. And then... And then How did the world get so bad? How did evil reign? And, and I mean, think about it, guys. Think about it. Because men back in this day, they, they did what was right, and they thought, whatever's right in my own eyes, I'm going to do. And they had no fear of God. <sighs> an, evil, an evil heart abounded in each man. And I'm thinking, the picture I want to paint for you is the picture that the world that we live in today. Okay, the same world we live in today, I want you to think about that, right? Because this is going on over 6,000 years ago, and today there are, there are men who do what is right in their own eyes. This is what I feel. This is who I am. Me and God, we have our own deal going. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's not the God of the Bible, but they're doing what is right in their own eyes. Also, too, guys, there is no fear of God anymore. There is no fear of God. And we can see that in the world that we live in today. And of course, we know just by turning on our television or reading the newspaper or pulling it up on our tablet or phone, man has an evil heart. It's wicked. It's wicked. So the earth, guys, right now, this time in the days of Noah was corrupt. Yet word corrupt Look at it in verse 11. The earth was also corrupt, and that word is rotten, ruined, and perverted. Rot- We're only in chapter 6, and the Lord says, listen, the world right now, the earth, it's rotten, it's ruined, it's perverted. That's the word he uses, corrupt. He wasn't saying, hey, listen, it's just a little messed up. It's just, hey, no, no biggie. No biggie, let's kind of sweep the sweep the dust under the rug. Nobody will see. It's okay. No, the Lord used the word. It was rotten. It was ruined, and it was perverted. And it was perverted. You go, Ben, 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 Ben. How I mean, how can that be? I mean, this is this is what's going on. Yeah, but see, the Lord implies another word that just really strikes the core of my heart. Look at verse 11. He says, it was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. You see, it wasn't only just, it wasn't only just rotten and ruined and perverted. It was also violent. You go, what does that mean? The word violent in the Hebrew is cruelty. It means cruelty, wrongdoing, injustice. I mean, this was an awful place to live. Wow. It was rotten. Yeah, it's rotten. It's ruined. Yeah, it's perverted. But, it was, but there was cruelty going on. Cruelty. And I'm thinking about this and I'm going, wow. Wow. From God's point of view, he's looking at it and he says, man, something went wrong big time. You see, guys, I want you to, I want you to feel the weight of this because... Because there are times when we go, yeah, you know what? There's still good in the world. And yes, there are some things that are good. But, but the problem is, is that because it's evil, evil just took over all the good. And there wasn't. You go, what do you mean, Pastor? 
oftentimes, guys, it's, it's a lot harder for me to pull you up than for you to pull me down. It's a lot easier for me to pull. If I were to get my brother Scott right here, Scott, come stand right here, and, and, I, and I say, okay, I'm going to pull you up, brother. I'm going to pull you up in, 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 in righteousness. And so all Scott has to do is lean back. And, 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 and again, this is the world. This is the world that they were a part of, and this is the world we're living in. You see, but Jesus told us, I'm going to send you another helper, and that's what's helping us, guys. That's what's helping us walk and, and live in this world. It's corrupt. Guys, would you not agree that our world is rotten? Would you not agree that it's ruined and even perverted? If you have little kids, you have little ones, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, you, 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 they're being raised in a whole different way. They're seeing things that they, I mean, they have more access to pornography and violence and video games than, than we ever have. So it's a different world, guys. It's perverted. And, and the devil does it very subtly. He doesn't come in and go, aha, I'm going to eat your kids. He does it slowly, and he just does it, and, and very subtly, very subtly. I have a four-year-old. I have a four-year-old granddaughter, and I just think the stuff she watches is probably targeted for her to see murders and violence. And even in a even in a in a in a in an interesting way. I mean, there's just that's how the enemy works. Four years old. Four years old. And so the Lord says, The earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Look at verse twelve. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, quote, this is God speaking, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now, the same God who looked upon the earth back in Noah's day is looking at our world today. And my question is, does he see the same things? Does he see the same things? And again, this verse is very weighty. Why? Because notice it says, all flesh had corrupted their way. Things on earth were not good at all. But I see a glimmer of hope. And you go, why? Because notice in verse 13, God speaks to Noah. God says, no, I want to talk to you. Because Noah walked with God. Now, here's what I want to see. Here's, what I, here's some encouragement I want to leave you with. Listen, God spoke to Noah back in verse 13 of chapter 6. But here's what I want to tell you. God still wants and does speak to us today. He does, if you'll listen. And you go, well, man, I haven't heard God's voice in a while. I really haven't heard. But guys, we, here's what we got to do. You ready? Listen. Guys, we have to tune out all the other things that try to drown out his voice. We have to tune those out. It's a battle. But I would beg and I would plead with you guys that devotion time has to be more than you just reading your Bible and giving the check mark and you go, amen, I read it, and, and we get on our day. What we have to do to hear the voice of God like he spoke to Brother Noah is that, guys, we have to hear, we have to get alone, we have to, we have to get in his word, and we have to just, man, just take your Bible, just take your Bible, give, give God an hour. Lord, I'm going to give you, here's an hour, here's my Bible, here's, a, here's a, just a notebook, I just want to hear you. I just want to hear you. And just spend time. Now, the problem is, 
Guys, is that we have to do it without a phone or a tablet or anything else because we're so drawn to that too. Where it's like, oh, well, hold on, let me just check the weather. Oh, well, let me just check this and let me just, and, and that wants to rob us. It wants to rob us. And so again, guys, this is what we do. I just want to encourage you. God still speaks to us today. When have you heard his voice? Have you heard his voice? Is he talking to you? You better know. I, I know. I know. I got to get alone with God. I got to get alone with God. What does God tell Noah? God tells Noah some, something quite alarming, right? What does he say? He says, I'm going to destroy them, right, with the earth. Now, imagine what Noah might be thinking, right? Imagine what he's feeling. There he is, right? He, he notices what's going around just like we do. He, he knows what's happening, and God says, listen, man, that just, just the man, man stinks. Man, he just stinks. It's just the flesh is horrible. And so he says, I will destroy them with the earth. Now, here's the word I caught. I don't know if you guys caught it. God told, God told Noah, I will destroy them, right? God didn't say y'all, right? So Noah's going, okay, God's going to destroy them, right? As well as the earth. So the question is, okay, so, so here's the deal. Here's, here's the weight of it. Ready? God looks at Noah and he says, Noah, I'm getting ready to destroy the earth. Feel the weight of that. Okay, I'm getting ready. This is going down, buddy. You can trust me. How can we trust the Lord? Because we're walking with him, right? We're righteous and mature. Not that we're sinless because we still sin, but we confess that. And we're also just in conduct and character. And so, so we go, okay, so we hear it. And so the question is, guys, write this down. How should Noah live his life after gaining this knowledge? Noah just hears the most incredible thing. What, God, you're going to destroy everyone? How should he live? Noah should live the same way you and I should live after understanding our world. You go, what's that? We should live by faith. We should walk by faith. And we should truly trust the Lord. Fully trust the Lord. That's what Noah needs to do. He's going to live by faith. Why? There's no ark built. Nobody's ever seen an ark before. God's going to tell him how to build it here in a few minutes, but he's got to live by faith. He's got to, God, you're going to destroy the, right? Oh, world. What? What? Is that how we feel, guys? Is that, is that how people feel? Is that how we felt when somebody told us, hey, man, listen, the world is corrupt. Jesus is going to come back for his church. Man, and, 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 and you haven't given your life to Jesus. You're not a believer. Do you want to be a believer? Did we feel that same way? Like, what? What do you mean, Jesus? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And, and, and again, and again, how should Noah live? How should we live, church, after gaining this knowledge? Well, the Lord tells him in verse 14, he says, Noah, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. Its width shall be 50 cubits. Its height shall be 30 cubits. And you shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubic from above, and then set a door on the ark on its side. And you shall make it with a lower and second and third decks. And behold, verse 17 says, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all the flesh which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Wow. 
This is heavy, God. This is amazing. Man is so corrupt, so perverted, so rotten, so ruined, and so evil that God is just sorry that he ever made man. And now he tells Noah, I'm going to destroy everything on the earth. Except for Noah and his family. Why? Because remember verse 8. Verse 8 said that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Right? Noah found grace. And, And that was God. And I want you to catch this. The Lord God gives Noah the plan of salvation, right? He says, here's the plan of salvation. Listen, I'm going to kill everything on the earth. What, Lord? Time out, time out, time out. Everything? He says, yeah, everything. Now, here's the plan of salvation. He says, make an ark. Make an ark. He's giving them the plan of salvation, right? Make an ark. You want to be saved, Noah? You want to live? Make an ark. Make an ark. Okay. Okay. Right? You go, what's an ark? Well, if you have a pencil handy or just taking notes, guys, it's a hollow chest. It's actually a basket. The ark is used the same, the same type of, of basket used to save Moses in Exodus, right? When he was, he was saved from all of them killing the babies and drowning them in the Nile. There he comes in a basket, an ark, if you will, pulled up. So he's saved. We see that. It's, a, it's an ark. It's a basket. It's a vessel. The Lord says, make an ark. You go, well, what, what is it for us? Well, since God's not going to flood the earth, our salvation is Jesus Christ. Your life needs to be found in Christ. Make an ark, okay. It needs to be found in Christ. In Christ. Think about it, guys. Let that penetrate your heart. And he says, okay. Okay, Noah, here's, here's, here it is. Here it is, buddy. Here's the, here's the plan of salvation. Make an ark. He says, cover it with pitch. Pitch is asphalt. Basically, pitch is a waterproof covering that was made of some sort of plant or so forth. I mean, it was just pitch. I mean, that's, it wasn't so much make an ark for sailing, but for floating. And so God knows what he's doing, okay? And he says, well, well Lord, how big is this ark? I mean, seriously. He says, 30, 300 cubits. Width is 50 cubits. The height is 30 cubits. You go, okay, what is that cubits? What does that mean to me? Okay, in today's measurements, listen to me. The ark would be 450 feet long. 450 feet long. That's pretty big. That's pretty big. About a, about a football and a half, okay? It's 75 feet wide. 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. This dude's going to make this. This dude is going to make this. Here's the ark. Here's how I want you to make it. This is salvation. The Bible says you and I need to walk by faith. You get an amen? Walk by faith. That's what we do. We believe and trust in Jesus, okay? And we believe that when we give our hearts to Jesus Christ, he comes in and we're saved. And when we die, we're going to be with him. Amen? But then there's a time when faith actually becomes sight. You guys, you guys tracking with me? You know, when does faith become sight? When you die and you actually see your salvation. Right here, Noah's living by faith, but faith has actually become sight when he actually completes the ark. Beautiful picture of what he's trying to convey to us. Okay, walk by faith, Noah. Yes, sir. Build an ark. I have no idea what an ark is. 
but I trust you. This is how big I want it. Okay, let's get to go. Let's get, let's, let's get to building. Why? Because I'm going to flood the earth, okay? And in the same way, when we sit here and we say, listen, your salvation is found in Jesus alone, then you, then you go, well, I'm not sure how to do that. Then you walk by faith until that faith becomes sight. That faith becomes sight. And it's the same thing, right? Now, let's take a quick look at verse 17 again. God says, behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth. Why, Lord, to destroy heaven, all flesh, which is beneath, which is the breath of life, everything on the earth shall die. I did some, I did some studying and I looked up and thought, okay, well, what, what would, have, statistically, what would the population have been back then? And somebody wrote this, and I'm, I'm, if you have a better one, I don't know, but this is what I found. Statistically, it indicates that the population would have been at least 3 billion people who would have lived on the earth at the time of Noah's flood. 3 billion. So this means if 3 billion people were on the earth, 3 billion people were going to be killed by God's judgment in the flood. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Now, you go, well, Ben, 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 Ben. Why do you bring that up? Well, just think about that. Just think about today. Just think about today. How many people, when the Lord Jesus comes, would be left behind? How many people would, would be killed after the rapture? After the rapture. If you're driving your car and, 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 and you're driving down the street and you're going 55 miles an hour and you're just having, you're just having a good time, some of us go 80, but that's a whole other story, and the rapture takes place, what do you think your car is going to do? It's, it's gonna, it could crash into other people. It could, I mean, I'm thinking, how many people are going to just... I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard that airlines are now putting one Christian pilot with one non-Christian pilot. Just to be safe that if this one's taken, that they could still land the plane. I don't know if it's true, but think about it. So how many people are going to be left behind? How many people go, you know what? Listen, me and God, we got to figure it out. I'm all good, you know. I don't really need to follow Jesus. Me and God, we got it worked out. God's merciful. He's graceful. Don't worry about it. I can live my life however I want to. God's going to save me. Amen. I just wonder how many people believe that. And then, and then, and then I thought, okay, okay. How many people will be killed after? How many people will have to die for their faith, though? How many people will have to die for their faith? If you were here on Sunday, guys, I mentioned the 10 most dangerous countries for Christians. So I thought, what is the combined population of these countries, okay? Just the 10, guys, just 10 most dangerous countries for Christians, guess how much it comes out to? 247 million people on that, on these, with these countries, 247 million right now with just a small population of believers. You know what it made me think? We have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. I had an idea. I know what I know what the devil's doing. I know what he's he wants to get us so wrapped up and so busy in what we're doing here that we forget that there's a world of people who are going to they're going to be left behind. We have a lot of work to do. 247 million people. Verse 18, the Lord says, "But I will establish my covenant with you, Noah." And you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your, and your sons' wives with you. 
And of every living thing of all the flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into, into the ark and keep them alive with you. There shall be a male and a female of the birds after every kind of animals after their kind, every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, two of every kind will come to you, keep them alive and you shall take for yourselves all the food that is eaten and you shall gather it to yourself and you shall, and it shall be food for you and for them. And look at verse 22, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. Guys, do you see that? He says, okay, this is what you're going to do, right? So I can just, I can attest to this, okay? The first thing I see right off the bat, God says, but I will establish my covenant. Covenant, you guys see that? I love that. Noah's going, okay, here's the instruction. I need to walk by faith. And he says, I'm going to establish my covenant. A covenant is a special promise of deliverance, a treaty or a pledge. And the substance of the terms of this covenant is related as we look at verse 19 through 21, Okay, so what's the method of salvation? He says, go into the ark, you, your sons, your, 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 your sons, wives, everyone. He says, now listen, the only way, listen, the only way Noah and his family can be saved is by faith. You go, what do you mean? There isn't an ark yet. There isn't an ark yet. So it's not like he's going, hey, Noah, you see that big thing, I, that big ark I created over there? Go get in there, you'll be fine. He's, he's got to walk by faith got to walk by faith, okay? And so again, there's no ark, but he has to appropriate the faith, how? By building the ark and then getting into the ark. What? Yeah, think about it this way. What if Noah said, yes, sir, Lord, amen, and he built this ark and he did exactly, and he put pitch on it and everything, and he says, Lord, there it is. And the Lord says, get in. He's like, no, I'm cool. You want to be saved? Uh, I'll take my chances out here. Lord, I trust you. You're merciful. You won't bring that much rain. If, 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 if you bring enough rain, maybe it'd be up to my knees, Lord. But listen, there's the ark. Hey, I did what you said. And a lot of people live that way, don't they? And Jesus stands and says, hey, guys, listen, I'm right here. You need to be in Christ. And, you, and they go, and they go. Yeah, hey, hey, listen, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And they never appropriate their faith. They never put their faith and trust in Jesus. You see, Jesus told us, guys, in John 14, chapter 6, or John, John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What's he saying, guys? He's the promised covenant, right, for salvation. It's always only Jesus. It's always only Jesus. And that's exactly why the enemy wants to get you so far from Jesus, because he's the answer. He's the ark. He's the one that we need to step into by faith, by faith. And I love the fact that Noah did. Notice verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. Guys, if you have a pencil handy and you want to just write in your Bible, obedience by faith, it's obedience I'm going to go obey the Lord. I'm going to obey the Lord. So that happened 6,000 years ago. But, but let's hold our place here because we're going to come back to verse 9. And let's turn over in the New Testament to Matthew 24. Now, we're not going to go through all of this, but this is what Jesus told his disciples 2,000 years ago, Matthew 24. And uh, let me give you, I'm, let's just turn there so you know, Matthew 24. And uh, you can write this down. Matthew 24. Give me an amen while you're there, if you're there. Okay? Matthew 24. You can write this in the first part, starting in verse 3 to verse 13. You can, this is how I wrote it in my Bible, 
prophecies and signs for the church. This is going to talk about the church first and foremost, okay? That's going to be the first one. These are prophecies and signs. Look at verse 3. Now, he sat at the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Very good questions, right? In other words, when is, when is it going to start raining, Lord? When is it going to, what's going on here? This is, this is deep, like you're going to come back. And what will be the sign of your coming? And Jesus answered and he said to them, notice what he says, take heed that what? No one deceives you. If you have a pencil handy, guys, that's the first thing we need to grasp is the fact that the enemy is going to try and deceive us. There's a lot of false enemies that try to deceive us through who God is in Scripture. And he says, guys, listen, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Guys, be careful, be careful. He says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. He says, see that you're not troubled. Why, Lord? For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Then he says, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So what's he telling us? He's, guys, guys, wake up. Don't be deceived. Look at this stuff around us, right? The Lord could wipe out all of mankind with a mosquito. And we think it's going to take this big nuclear war, but the Lord, I mean, he could wipe us out with, with pestilences. I mean, he, he could do that. And he's saying, but when you see this, when you see famines, when you see famines, when you see, you guys, listen, when you, when you hear of wars, when you hear rumors of wars, he sees when you see pestilences and you see earthquakes. How many today? 27 today. When you, when you hear about these things, he says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. That's the beginning. We're, we're in the midst of that. And then he goes on, guys, and he says, now, these are, these are prophecies and signs for Israel, verses 9 to 14. You can write that down. Prophecies and signs for Israel. He's going to talk about Israel. Now, I don't have time to get into that, but but uh, then he gives us a dual prophecy in Matthew twenty four fifteen. Look at twenty four fifteen. It's mid trib. It's a dual prophecy. He says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet or Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand the abomination of desolation is going to happen mid trib. That's when the antichrist will go into the new temple that's going to be built in Israel. And he's going to offer swine on the Sabbath. It's the abomination of desolation. It's already happened. It's a dual prophecy. And again, I don't have time to dig deep into Matthew 24. I just want to show you. But now these are the days of our lives. Look at, look at, the, look at the fourth. Prophecies and signs for the rapture. Okay, the rapture. Verse 36 through 39. Notice what Jesus says. But he says, but of that day, listen to me, church. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven but my father only. Okay, you ready? So what do we know about that? We know that nobody knows the day or the hour. Okay? And it freaks us out when somebody goes, hey, I know what day the Lord's coming back, or I know based upon this and this and this. And it's like, no, we, we need to really grasp that. No one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven. Now, we know this is a Jewish idiom, but nonetheless, the, 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 the truth is, is being taught here. And in verse 37, he says, but as in the days of who? Noah. 
As in the days of Noah, where also will be the, son, the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, what were they doing? They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, now, now listen, listen. When you see this man building a 450-foot boat, that screams, you need to pay attention. Oh, no, what's crazy? Oh, he's nuts. 450. What, what are you doing? And listen, there's judgment coming. God's going God's gonna to flood you. You need to get saved. You need to get in, you need to get in the ark, man. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, man. You're crazy. You're crazy, man. I mean, this is exactly what it said. Listen, what were they doing? They were, they were, man, they were just living life, right? They were still getting married. They were having babies. They are parties, whatever. They thought, no, you're crazy. And a lot of people think about us as believers today. You guys are nuts. Because you've been saying Jesus is coming back since 1980s, and I haven't seen him. And they say, man, listen, and, and I mean, and think about this for just a second, okay? Christianity as a whole. Christianity as a whole, when you're a when you're a Christian, guys, what, what comes forth? Good comes forth. You do good. You help people. You bless people. You give them money. You, you, you don't murder them. You know, you just, it's just good. And yet they still want to destroy us. Why do they want to destroy that would, which would be good? Why? Because their hearts are evil. And they didn't even know. Just like this, guys. Just like this. Now let's break this down, okay? Hear the emphasis on the fact that the people did not know. Listen, they didn't know when the day of judgment would, would strike. And just like today, no one knows the day or the hour. Now, the ark, guys, is a picture of God's miraculous preservation of Israel doing a harsh judgment, okay? If you want to look at it a little bit different, you go, well, you mean it's, it's a real beautiful picture of not only us being saved by Jesus, but it's also a picture of Israel being saved through the tribulation, being preserved. Okay? And you go, well, where are we during this? Well, if you want to look at it that way, Enoch is a picture of the church that was raptured before the tribulation. You go back a little bit. We're, we're, we're out of here. We're out of here. So let's close... Let's close our study, guys, because we're running out of time. Let's close our study with some application. Let's, 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 let's talk some application. As sands through an hourglass, right, how should we be living during these last days? How should we be living? Well, Noah gives us some good application. Okay, Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. This is, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and walked with Noah. Okay, now I want you to jot, I want you to jot two things down. I want you to doubt, this is who Noah is, who Noah was, okay? And then this is how Noah behaves. This is who Noah was, this is his character, his conduct, and then this is how he behaves in this verse. You go, okay, well, let's, let's talk, okay. First of all, this is who Noah was. You want, this is how we should be living. The Bible says he was a just man. He was a just man. He was righteous, mature, upright. And he walked with God. Well, Pastor, how should I be living in these last days? You're saying that Russia's in Syria. You're saying that there's earthquakes. I mean, there's probably more, more, more. You just gave us highlights. Yeah, exactly. The same applies to us, guys. In the last days, guys, that we may be just. 
in our conduct, in our character. That you and I would walk the walk. And that we would, as we talk, we would, we would talk the talk and walk the walk. That we're the same person, the same person in private as we are in public. That he was righteous, guys. That we may be perfect. Oh, not perfect, but but righteous and mature and upright. Well-rounded. Well-rounded. I think that's a great way to live in the last days. Mature and righteous. Doing the right thing. And that each of us would walk with God all the days of our lives. We'd walk with him. God isn't a foreign spirit in the sky that we, we hope to... Be, but we walk with him and we talk with him. Guys, that's, that's who Noah was. Notice how he behaves. What does that mean? He behaves, you ready? Jot this down. Number one, godly fear. Godly fear. Hebrews eleven seven again says, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of these things, not yet seen, moved with godly fear. Godly fear. No matter what the world is doing, guys, that you and I live in a way of, and, and just a, it's, it's a godly fear. We haven't seen Jesus physically, but we know he's coming for us. And how should we live? That, that wonderful, godly reverence and awe of who he is. I often wonder when people say, hey, you know the man upstairs. No, the man upstairs is my God. And he deserves respect and fear and awe. And the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You go, what else? Number two, guys, and I think we should live this way too. Noah was patient. He was patient with people. How so? However long this massive ark took to build, some say 55 years, some people have said 120. It doesn't really say that in Scripture. We just know that man's life is 120. However long it took, Noah was patient. He was patient. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, let's just say for the it's let's just say seventy. It took seventy-five years to build an ark. True confession. I think I might have quit after the first twenty. But Noah was patient, and I want to learn patience. I want to learn patience. Number three, Noah was caring. He was caring. How so? Noah took care of his family. Noah took care of his family. He also looked out for others. And how are we supposed to live in the last day, guys? That we need to be caring and we need to take care of our family. We need to do whatever it takes to take care of our family and look out for others. What's number four, Ben? The Bible says that he was a preacher of righteousness. He was a preacher of righteousness. Second Peter 2.5 says, And he did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of the eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood on a world of the ungodly. So guys, we, we, we live with godly fear. We're patient, we're caring, but we're also preaching the good news. How do I preach the good news? Guys, we need to be living radically for Jesus. We need to, we need to take that step, man. 
I wish I could sit up here and tell you the world is going to be exactly how it is 100 years, 100 years from now. It's going to be exactly now. So, so, man, go out and enjoy and do the things that you want to do. But that's not necessarily the case, guys. We need to live radically for Jesus. We need to be telling other, peop- other people the good news. Pastor, they don't want to listen to me. Sometimes we just need to live it before we speak it. They want to see it in my life. They want to see that this thing is real. They want to see that in your life. And so now we've got to do some work, right? Because I'm sitting at the end of the Bible study going, listen, Lord, I want this to be real in my life. And I struggle. And I want this to be, I want people to see that, that, that this Jesus that I preach, it's real. I didn't just modify my behavior and became a preacher and stood up here and said, amen, hallelujah. But the thing is real. He reached down deep in my soul and he changed a wicked heart. And he gave it back to me clean and pure. And I'm sitting here going, God, uh, yes. Yes. Here's the encouragement for you guys. Live your life so radical for Jesus. Burn for Jesus. And if you burn for Jesus, I guarantee you people from miles away will come just to watch you burn. If you're on fire for Jesus, they'll come. Why Why are you like that? And what do they do? When they see my brother Scott, and he was talking earlier, when they see my brother Scott and how God changed his life, all they can do is give glory to God. How does this happen? It's only God. Only God can do that. How can God, how can God change this guy? What happens, guys, when we try to modify our own behavior? It only works for a while, doesn't it? We kind of go back to who we are. But when God changes us, when God changes us, when he does that work, when we allow him to do. So how should we live in these last days? Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. How should we live? Guys, we need to keep our eyes on him. He's coming back for us. And if you're here today and you're a little skeptical, amen. But what if you die? What if you don't live? You take your final breath. I'm ready for him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your rest. Enter, come on in. Well, I was faithful to the end, Lord. What do I have to do, Pastor? Get in the ark. Get in the ark. Appropriate that. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. And then what will happen is one day, your faith will become sight. Father, we thank you for your word, and we just want to worship you now, Lord. We love you, God, and and Lord, that's our heart, just to worship you. We thank you for tonight, Lord. We thank you for Genesis 6. Lord, it's very weighty, God, very weighty that you're going to flood the earth, Lord. You're going to kill and destroy wicked people. Lord, may every one of us here have a heart like Paul to say, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. In other words, Lord, I'm ready to go home. But while we're here, we have a lot of work to do. And it may not be the, the 247 million people across the world. It might be my neighbor across the street. It might be my coworker at, at, 
at my job. It might be my neighbor. It might be my kid's teacher. Whatever it is, God, use me. Send me. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.